Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to the owner of a very special Cheshire-based garage that is now in its sixth year of trading at its current location. Our guest today was told by his school teachers that he'd make a good gardener, but Dean Lomas had very different ideas and he's now managing director of a successful MOT car maintenance and service centre. Dean, welcome to Business Brunch. Good morning, Des. Yeah, thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. Dean, as I've said, uh, you left school with a, a B in drama and some misplaced guidance pointing you towards a life in gardening. Uh, now, I'm certain that you probably would have made a brilliant gardener. <laughs> so, tell us why you decided that you, you'd be happier as a mechanic. So, yeah, my, my, my school life was um, was very challenging. As some people may know, I suffer significantly with dyslexia. Uh, my reading and writing has been pretty horrific throughout my whole life. And as the, the child who had no support at school... I was put to the back of the class and left there. You were very lucky if I took a pen in most days. And they wouldn't really let me have pens because I'd draw on the table. So you'd be lucky if I even got a pencil uh, <laughs> all the time. Uh, from that, um, I went to a careers advising day at school. And they said I would either make a good gardener or a good greenkeeper because I didn't think I had the capacity to do anything else. But you decided otherwise? I've always found life a challenge, so I've always wanted to succeed. And I've had to make my own opportunities. And that's when I went on and decided I love building things. I was always messing with push bikes as a very young child. So then progressed on to messing with motorbikes, and then I learned how to build engines. And how did you learn how to build an engine? So when I was about... 13, 14 year old um, I went into my mother one day and said mother I'm bored what do I do she went go to the garage there's an old VW Beetle engine in there go and play with it so I did I stripped the engine down at the at about, say 13, 14 definitely uh, stripped the engine down into pieces uh, built it back up because I've got a unique mind where once I see something stripped down I put the process into practice of exactly how it comes apart is exactly how it goes together with a bit of misgiving of any damaged components now what i've learned over the years and moving that forward then you you took that into your uh, working life so so how did you make that work for you then so when i uh, first left high school and they said that i'd make a good gardener and i knew that i could build an engine by a very good engine by the time i was 15 um, and I left school at 15 with me being drama, you know, <laughs> so I excelled in the acting career. <laughs> so I had to go to Mid Cheshire College at Hartford campus and I had to go for a rigorous interview to see if I was adequate to, to go on a motor vehicle course. I was very lucky that they saw something in me. Uh, they, they interviewed me and said, I'm sorry, but you haven't got the qualifications, but we think you've got something about you. They gave me the opportunity to start an apprenticeship in the motor vehicle industry, and that was in two, uh, 1996. I was going back a few years. So how did you progress oh, from there then? Obviously, you had a foot on the ladder then. Yeah, so uh, it started off from there. I couldn't stand being in the classroom environment again. You know, I'd just spent 10 years of my life in a classroom. 
Um, and, and being young and, and enthusiastic, every Friday I used to have off college and I used to go around every single garage in Northwich from, as they say, the little backstreet garage, which has now turned into the independent garage in the, in the local area, um, all the way up to the Ford dealership, which was nuts with motors, and then on to Dane County, at the top of Northwich near B&Q. Um, so it was Mike Lovell was a service manager, and he got that bored of me turning up on a Friday afternoon. He said, right, okay, you can start on Monday. And that was the start of my career in the motor vehicle industry. It was, it was incredible for me to, to achieve something. What people were telling me I could never achieve. I, I think it, it is amazing that, that uh, you've actually driven that yourself from quite a young age. Now, you, you started your business as a, a mobile mechanic, am I right? Yes. From the career of going from Dane County, I went on to uh, Chrysler Jeeps and then onto the trucks for 10 and a half years. So 15 years into, into my mechanical uh, life, I wanted to excel again. There was something holding me back. And I wanted to provide a service for people, which I thought wasn't being delivered where I used to work. Although they were a spectacular truck fitting garage, I wanted to deliver my personal experience in life and deliver it to repairing cars. So from there, I bought an old clapped out van. Uh, I remember it the day I bought it because the engine was smashed to pieces. I built the engine over three evenings and I started my business on the 1st of September 2011. I was out with my toolbox in the back of the van, and the next thing you know, I became incredibly busy. So talk us through some of the, some of the business skills that you've developed that have helped you make a difference in the business. So one thing that I've always brought to the business is myself, is my smile, is, is my attitude and the respect towards my customers. And that's where the business is. It's about making sure that every single customer who is different from every other single customer, they have a special need. That special need is not only a vehicle repair, but an emotional attachment. And that's what we, we deliver here at DC Lomas Limited. We deliver an emotional attachment where, how do I describe it? Where there's, yeah, if you come down, what I'll do is, is we get to know you. We, we already know what the cars do. We already know why they break. We already got the tools to fix the vehicles. But what we do, we get to know you as a person. So your experience with us is your personal experience. And it's not a run of the mill. Come in, we'll fix your car, give us your money, go home. We deliver a unique service for every single person. And that's helped you create a business that, in your own words, has no competition. Yeah, yeah, as, as we were chatting yesterday, people say, oh, what do you do about local competition? I'm like, we don't have competition. For one, we are the most valued company in the local area because we charge the correct amount for our work. We, we are not cheap by far because we have to invest. So as I'm talking about investment, not only do we have to buy a set of spanners and a set of screwdrivers and a set of sockets, etc., for, for normal everyday maintenance of, of cars, but we buy the specialist tools. So we've got £97,000 worth of timing cool tools and bearing pullers. So from each individual manufacturer, we are catering for everyone's needs. 
And from the investment side of it as well, it's not just buying into the tools. Every single one of our staff members, we give them 15 days training per year. This is off-site training. So we buy them a package through Yoro Car Parts, through the Auto Education Academy. And from buying them a training package, it gives all members of staff an ability to grow in themselves like I, like I needed to. I needed feeding. My soul needed feeding throughout my, throughout my career. And so 15 days of training, we pay for the travel, we pay for the training, we pay for the hotels and accommodation. I can and see where you're taking this, uh, Dean, and it's really important that you set yourself apart from other businesses, uh, and clearly you've done that. Dean, uh, from its inception, DC Lomas has enjoyed an enviable level of growth, so share with us some of the strategic decisions that you've taken and that have helped to keep the business on course to achieve its targets. So the way that we... Uh I've grown the business over the last 10 years is I've been directly involved, which in some cases has helped me understand every, every single micron of the business. But from that respect, I do need to let go a little. So when, I, when I'm engulfing myself in the business, that's when I understand I need to step back and I've employed an incredible members and staff so it's making sure that at the end of the day that I'm willing to hand over responsibility. And with, with the responsibility, people teach me of new ways of growing the business. That's interesting. And I mean, it's obviously hugely important that you're able to, to delegate. A lot, a lot of poor managers don't have that capacity and... And so they're unwilling to, to give others the responsibility. So what would you say would be a, a, some of the pivotal moments in, in the way the business has developed over the last uh, eight to ten years? So the way, it's, the way it's developed is I went from my, uh, my old van. I got extremely busy very quickly, as I mentioned before. And with being busy in, in a van, there's only so many hours in the day. And that, that significantly affected my home life. So that's when I decided to, you know, to get the unit here in Winter Industrial Estate to deliver a service to all my customers without anyone being affected by me not being able to cater for their service. So we've got the building. Uh, it's a great 3,000 square foot uh, building. We put in one ramp. That ramp was overworked the first day. So then we got another ramp. And then I thought, right, we have to do MOTs. And then the investment onto an MOT lane, it consumes you a, a, a little bit because not only the financial side of it, which is into tens of thousands of pounds, but you have to apply for planning permission, etc. So it's all about being prepared for the changing in business. And that's what I've, I've embraced is not only have I been willing to understand that there's change, but I've actually embrace the change what the business has brought me so from a van on my own to becoming to having nine members in staff including myself is being able to accept that things have to change if we're going to move forward not only with the business but with the future of being here and making sure that everyone's employed it, it's interesting the way you've you've developed the business dean and and i understand that the 
the whole business is built on a, a very simple precept, and and that is your focus on your customers and high quality workmanship. So, talk us through what systems you have in place in order to ensure that you're consistently delivering on these two premises. So, as, as we uh, as as we've been speaking, um, the the consistency what what enables us to keep on delivering exceptional standards is always sitting back and reviewing of where we've been. But not only where we've been, but reviewing of where, well, what we've got in stock now and where we want to be in the future. And other than saying what we've got in stock, it's not about parts on a shelf. It's about where we are personally within the business. So, for instance, if I've got a member of staff which isn't achieving in one part of the area, I ask them if there's anything that they would like to do in another part of the business, which then, once they find their niche, that's when they excel. And that's where we can keep at the forefront of, of the motor vehicle industry, is we, we can provide everyone the future of their career in something they love. If you keep on giving one guy a job that he's not really interested in, he's not going to be happy when he wants to come into work. So this is why we deliver the 15 days training per person because they learn what they want to learn. Uh, if, for instance, a mechanic wants to learn some receptionist skills, we're happy for them to evolve into that role. And as well with you know the, the progression along the lines of the business, we've got to be prepared to fail. And if we fail, we learn from them processes. And once we learn from them processes, we don't make the same mistake again. And it's also remembering to put that in place and write things down. You know, that's, that's a massive thing for me. If it's written down, it shouldn't really happen again. Podcasts from the Cat. Dean, the, the DVLA is almost a, a paper-free agency, but uh, having purchased a car recently, I noticed there's still a lot of paperwork used in the motor trade. So tell us how you use technology and automation to streamline your business systems. So, yeah, thanks for that question, Des. It's, it's a very difficult trade to be in to go paperless. And, you know, my good friend Mike Shields, who has Claymore business machines around the corner, he was excited to put a printer into my building. You know? <laughs> so, the average MOT takes eight pieces of paper. And it is incredible the amount of reams of paper we'll go through. And it's disappointing that, as you're saying, the DVLA would, is almost paper-free. Well, it can't be paper-free because they need us to keep records. So every MOT, they would like us to hand an MOT sheet over to the customer, a pass, a fail, advise, etc. But not only that, is they want us to keep the emissions records for three months. And you get two printouts per MOT, for an emissions test. And we have to give one to the customer and one to keep. Uh, we, we provide an invoice. But what we've done now recently, we've, we've got uh, a garage management system which has been put in place by Euro Car Parts. We're, we're helping develop some new uh, integrations and softwares and plans with, with themselves. And we've got the, the garage management system in. So now we have, we have digital job cards. I've had to provide all my staff with a tablet to use. 
And not only that, we've had to also put two laptops in the workshop in case we have any laptop discrepancies. So we've then reduced the paperwork so there's no paperwork coming from the office to the workshop. And then what there is is no paperwork then returned from the workshop to the office. So we save two pieces of paper two pieces of paper per job there. And so what's happened with the integration into the digital age is we're preparing for the future because we're only five percent of all garages in the UK which have a digital garage management system. Which is surprising to think that there's 37,000 garages and only 5% are going paper-free or using online management systems. Which is shocking, really, when you think about the amount of paper you can use for one MOT. So we're embracing the future by trying to reduce our paper use by emailing estimates, by emailing invoices, and we will soon be emailing MOT certificates. So we can reduce it down just to the two pieces of paper for the emissions test. Well, I, I, as an environmentalist, I think that's uh, terrific. So uh, I applaud you for that. Dean, you're not only responsible for the safety of your employees in a busy workshop, but you're, you're also, uh, it's also the safety of your customers. Um, so tell us what you have to do to ensure that you meet the rigours of current health and safety legislation. So yes, I, I, I love health and safety. You know, I, I remember when I first came into the motor vehicle trade, there was grinders with no guards on them, the people was work, working around in trainers, you were smoking over the top of an engine as you were building it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the MOT industry, uh, the, the, the motor vehicle industry was 25 years ago. Luckily, things had to change. And this is where the training comes into place because every single training package we give our staff, when they go on a training course, it's always a huge factor which is delivered to them about the safety aspect of vehicles because we are responsible for people's lives. So you've got a two-ton bullet going down the road at 70 miles an hour. It is our responsibility to make sure and ensure that the vehicle is repaired to the highest of standards. And that's why we give the 15 days training. Because you can never know enough in the motor vehicle industry because it's evolving that quickly. So, a, a great little story. Uh, last year, mid-June last year, I got an email from my insurance broker. Hi, Dean. How are you? Just checking in. Just to let you know, the insurance company would like to come into you. I was set back, shocked, of thinking, oh no, what's going on? So the insurance company arrived in the building a couple of weeks later uh, for a full assessment. With our health and safety and risk assessments, I make sure that is the forefront of everything. It's customer satisfaction and keeping everyone safe. So the insurance guy came round, I'll shorten this up a bit. He walked around the building, he spent a good hour and a half here. He came upstairs to the office afterwards and he thanked me for having my building in such good condition. There were four items that were required to change. I had plastic bins. He required metal bins because uh, oily rags can self-combust. So that was one of the items. The second item is I had a shelf next to my electric circuit box. He said, please, can you move that? So I moved the shelf. He said, 
your fire locker is a bit over full. Please, can you get another one? <laughs> so I bought another fire locker for me, for me petrols and me, can, me spray cans. And the fourth one is I used to keep all my keys in a locked filing cabinet. And he said, please, can we have an actual lockable metal cupboard? And I explained to him, my filing cabinet is. He said, no, please, can you just get one that screws to the wall? And, and I, I agreed and stuck to all them defects. And a couple of weeks later, I received an email back from the, uh, from the insurance assessors. And he thanked me again for my time and the effort that I put into my own garage. Dean, the motor trade is going through considerable change uh, with the demise of the combustion engine in the UK only 13 years away and the advent of electrically powered vehicles. So tell us how you see the future of the motor trade unfolding and what plans that you, uh, do you have for DC Low Mass Limited? So yes, that, that is an incredible question because the government are forcing upon us that we will no longer be able to use petrol and, uh, petrol and diesel engines or internal combustion engines. So the way that they're trying to get rid of the internal combustion engine is, I believe, is they need a storage of oil for the future. So if, if you use all the petrol and diesel up too soon, we're going to have none for the future, which is about right. The way that they're dealing with the infrastructure of going electric straight away within the next 13 years, in my eyes, isn't quite possible. In the little village where I live, uh, I'm very lucky because I've got a driveway where I can put three cars on it. That Them three cars then, if they were electric, will be able to cope by having their own plug-ins on, on our side of our house. But what about the people down the road what live in the terrace houses? How can they bring a cable across the road or on a gantry above the road to charge each vehicle every evening. And this is where, if they are going to take away all internal combustion engines, how are they going to charge them up? Which then, they're going to have to build multi-storey car parks so people can park in the villages and the small towns and where there is reduced parking. Or even in massive cities where you, are, where you have to park in a multi-storey car park because you live in a city centre. And every single parking space will have to have a charging point. The infrastructure is going to cost trillions. That's my theory of where we're going to struggle. But where DC Lomas is going to be is we are just about to buy another garage. We're just about to buy a plot of land to build this bespoke garage because we are prepared for the future. So my, my plan started two years ago. During lockdown is how are we going to sustain DC Lomas for the minimum of 10 years? And everyone was going around and buying Teslas and, and the like. So I thought, what is it what cars need? Cars will always need a tyre. Cars will always have a suspension spring. Cars will always have a bottom ball joint and a track grid end and a steering rack, etc. But what the manufacturers are also bringing is an intelligent car where your headlights dip automatically when the vehicle recognizes another car coming towards it not only that but your vehicle will not change lane unless you specifically indicate your vehicle also measures itself from the vehicle in front so if the car in front stops your vehicle will automatically stop this is part of the adas system 
which has been implemented in vehicles for the last eight or nine years. And so if anyone is interested in what ADAS is, just go on YouTube and put in ADAS systems in Hyundai. And they had a, vi a video on there from 2015 where they was going around the racetrack and all the people in the vehicles got up to a certain speed following a truck. And as one by one, they all climbed out the sunroof and jumped onto another vehicle. And at the end, when all the drivers were out of the vehicles, the truck stopped and each vehicle stopped without having an accident. And this driverless industry is upon us. It is here now. And what DC Lomas Limited is doing, it's providing a service for the tyres, alignment and ADAS calibrations. And that is our future. Because we won't be doing cam belts and we won't be doing clutches. So, at DC Lomas, we're already prepared for the future. I think that's very, very intelligent, the way you've approached that, Dean. And you've obviously spent a lot of time thinking about how you're going to adapt to the way the market's changing. Dean, um, your business supports a local football club, uh, St. Luke's Cheshire Hospice, and you're currently organising a gala ball in aid of refuge. So talk us through these community links uh, and why you feel it's important that Cheshire businesses continue to support the local community. So with our support to local community, we are the local community. DC Lomas is embraced what the local community is because our customers are the local community and anyone what comes here uh, are part of our family and I want to support our family and the DC Lomas family itself is a group of 4,000 customers so the football sponsorship is our young lad he always loves football uh, the local football team was struggling a few years ago and we were asked to sponsor it so my wife came along and says, we're going to sponsor the football team. I didn't have any choice in it. I was a bit taken back by it. But I embraced that we were going to help out. The, the young kids who were five, six-year-old had a football kit. They were gleaming. They were running around. It's not about having our name on the kit. It's about the kids feeling proud in what they're doing. And then going on some for more sponsorship. Um, as our young lad has, has grown up, he's gone to a different team. That team was also struggling. So they, within health and safety, the, the coaches and the managers had, uh, which my wife is a, a manager of the team. She's also a trained FA coach because none of the other parents stepped up to the mark and it was either close the club or get a coach. So my wife, Samantha Lomas, she stepped up to the mark and became a coach for the local kids football club. And from there, they required a defibrillator. So, as DC Lomas does, stepped up to the mark. We bought the, bought the local football team a defibrillator. With that, we're providing a service. We're providing something what no one else has. And which makes us unique again. And what would we do if it closes? The old guy has been going since he's a child, won't be able to go and see his local football team on a Saturday. You know, it's our duty as business owners in the local area to put back to our community because we're taking from our community. And this is where it comes to, again, St. Luke's Hospice, an amazing customer of ours, came in one day and I was having a chat with her, as I do with all my, all my customers, they're part of our family, having a chat. And I said, what's up? 
she said my dad goes to St. Luke's Hospice. He's close to end of life. He goes every Tuesday. We know he hasn't got long left. And they said to him last week, I'm sorry you can't come next week because we're not enough funding. We were coming up to our 10-year anniversary, and every anniversary of our business, we give free MOTs, we give a free service away, we give people uh, Amazon vouchers, etc. You know, I thought, let's do something which is even better. And I put a post on uh, Facebook, and, and me photographers came down, they took all the photos, Northwich Guardian came down, and, and they interviewed us, and... They said, what are you doing? I said, what we're going to do is if we get a 1,000 likes on Facebook, we're going to donate £2,000 to St. Luke's Hospice. Not for the advertisement for ourselves, but so people know that St. Luke's Hospice is struggling. It's a local building who takes in people at end of life, people who are suffering with terminal illnesses. We need to put back as business owners into local community. You know, so there's some massive things which are involved in what we're doing. We're not doing it just so we don't pay tax. We're not doing it for advertisement. We're doing it because our local community deserves us to love them back. And so the refuge, my wife, Samantha Lomas, she's, she's wanted to do uh, to help out in the local community. She's wanted to help out in, in the, the national community. Refuge is a charity for domestic violence. My wife, Samantha, is... She's setting up a gala ball, which is on the 6th of May at Vale Royal Abbey. You can book one seat for a three-course meal, or you can book a full table. Uh, the tickets are £40 a piece. There are raffle prizes and auction prizes. My wife is enthusiastic about getting everyone in the community involved. And, you know, there's some great companies involved, and why not everyone else? You know, there's still probably 30 places left. Get our details and connect to us. Fantastic, Dean. I um, I mean, again, I applaud you for what you're doing. None of these clubs, none of these charities would would survive as long as they do without your support. Okay, before we finish, and and I do have to thank you for for uh, joining us today and uh, telling us about how you've developed a very special business. Uh, should any of our listeners want to contact DC Lomas, where can they find more information? So if anyone would like to contact us, our phone number is 01606 or email us on dclomas at live.co.uk. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.